Welcome to the Meltdown Podcast. This is episode 69. Nice. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. <laughs> and on this episode, we are talking about stolen content on TikTok that a guy or a channel is just ripping off every, basically every 3D printing YouTube channel and, and putting like shorts on that on uh, his or her TikTok. Uh, then a bit of talk about new 3D model or creator subscription services that recently launched on Thanks and on Printables. Um, what their unique selling points are, why they might have been released at the same point and lots of other just like rambling around that. And then, of course, staying with Prusa. <laughs> A bit of a controversy about input shaping and their speed benchy where they released a G code for and some people weren't happy with the marketing and things like that. You're gonna see or hear. You need to play by the rules. Um maybe maybe a bit more on that topic. Could input shaping come to the mini? Because technically it is capable of uh running the same code as the Mark IV. Anycubic is ripping off the Prusa slice without publishing the source or even acknowledging that they have used the, albeit open source, uh, code from them. And uh, au contraire, uh, E3D is having success with their patent strategy around Revo, and they have gotten CHT to license uh, their tech to them for a first-party high-flow nozzle. As always, we do answer some questions um, about maker fairs or 3D printing events that are more local to us here in the EU and why they're not quite the same as the ones in the US. And fittingly to our episode number, uh, Stefan and, and me, we, uh, we, we, we're Tesla bros now. I was kind of upset. Is it is it upset the right word? I think you. I think you said that you are trying to get a, a German sub. No, not subtitles. A German audio track under your next video. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So I I, I tried that. Um, okay. It's not good. <laughs> it is not very good. Um, so YouTube YouTube didn't use to to support this, right? So you could upload uh, subtitles in various languages, or you could just upload subtitles in English and it would auto-translate or use the auto-generated ones. But now you can fully upload a second audio track to YouTube. And I tried that, and it simply it does not work out. So it might work out better for, for your videos because you're not seen talking. But yeah. if you see me... Like just if you're watching this yeah. on YouTube, just imagine this this uh, track and with a, with your native language over it, with my mouth movements, gestures, everything still timing unchanged, but different language spoken by the same guy, no less. Yeah, just ended up looking super cheap. It 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 again the timing wasn't wasn't good like that. Nah, so I don't know either full second German channel or not at all. So I yeah. <sighs> Also, one of the reasons why I decided to to start a a second channel at the point when I did it, I thought that this feature wouldn't happen at in the near future. Yeah, well, but YouTube's always difficult with that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so a couple of years ago, I talked to a guy who used to work at a. German, French, I think even at Arte or something like that, like, like, like a German, yeah, French TV up. company. And he told me about how he uh, translated 
um, just scripts. And the first couple of ones that he did were so horrible because he wasn't able to put the sentences in a way that it would look natural when you just dub something over. Yeah. And uh, the, the the pacing wasn't right and things like that. And this was... It, it, it's so much easier if you're just doing everything in German again and just yeah. uh, adjust timings and everything. Of course, then it's on a second channel. Uh, it maybe doesn't get as much traction, but uh, it also has a ton of benefits, in my opinion. Um, even if it's just having two separate sponsors on a video. Ah. Um, having different links in the description, having the possibility to translate even graphs. I think the the, the different descriptions you could already do translated yeah, sub, uh, descriptions yeah. with with yeah. that translated subtitle sort of but thing. But P, so I did that in the beginning. I uh, always also translated my description and my title to German, and people hated that. And they always come to oh, I thought this was a German video, and yes. now you're tricking me. Yeah, that's that's actually the thing I'm, I'm worried about, too, if you're just doing that. Um, the other thing that uh, probably uh, people who have YouTube set to English don't realize, but if, you, if Google thinks you're from Germany, you'll see those auto-translated titles mm. on an English video or on a video that doesn't have any of the... Um, any any spoken language yeah. at all uh and those are always so poorly translated well either auto translated i think google translate would even get it better but it's some okay. agency doing it that okay. has never spoken german as a native language before and it's like uh how i making kimchi now basically it's so it's 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 all the the verbs are always off the sentences don't make sense and it's just like yeah they took the word they translated it to German, and that's it. And it's just, okay. it, it, it seems like such bad content. It's those sort of videos I just don't watch because, yeah. So, <sighs> uh, German content for you a bit postponed for the moment? Uh, yeah, so the the thing is, if I, if I do start a second channel, I do want to have a bit of a backlog on there. I don't just want, like, one video. Um, mm. Uh, so I'm gonna have to figure out a workflow since that that just redubbing the video doesn't work. Mm. Um, yeah, for me it's like for so I translated a couple of videos. I want to do more, and I even reached out to a couple of guys helping me there. And I'm so sorry that I didn't follow that as much as I should. But I'm just currently drowning in work, and I desperately need a vacation next week um, because well just with the amount of work that I'm currently having like two days in my normal job and the rest of the week for, for like doing YouTube videos translating a video for me with like translating the script doing a second uh, doing voiceover again cutting everything together reorganizing clips and everything yeah. new thumbnail new description yada 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 it's around I'd say like 10 or 15 hours of work yeah, i would have said like two days that that seems realistic the, yeah. the biggest part actually i think is translating the script yeah and getting something that that sounds good which people i don't think realize but <laughs> writing a script first of all is is a lot of work and and put organizing your thoughts in a way that that's mm. are going to sound good and then translating it mm. doesn't make it any easier it's not like that's yeah. much less work um yeah. i've tried i've tried the chat gpt translates uh they're <sighs> They're surprisingly good, but they're not good. 
they're not something that he that he would you know use like that. Yeah. So you have to rework that too. I think with the, the, the realistic way forward is getting rid of scripts, um, just being more off the cuff. And actually, that's that's something you might be interested in as well. Um, Resolve has a new editing tool for that. Uh, 18.5 the script based ones I used that for the last video and it's not perfect yet but it's it's so much better than going by audio tracks so basically it it auto generates a script for your A roll uh, shot Mm -hmm. and you can just just like in a text editor you can select areas you can say delete you can say automatically delete silence Mm -hmm. And it just inserts those portions you want to keep from that script into your timeline. Okay. Very, very good for unscripted stuff. And okay. with that, it needs to work a bit better than it does now, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still in beta. Um, and with that, I think unscripted videos are so much more plausible because mm-hmm. for, for me, if I do a script, um, it saves a lot of time in editing because I don't have to like edit out all the retakes where mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about stuff or, or reformulating stuff. And if I have a tool that does that for me more efficiently, then I, I don't have to spend the time writing the script and then editing is faster too. So maybe I'm going to go scriptless. I don't know. Yep. And that, that would make it easier for German content as well because you don't yep. have to translate stuff. You can just make it up on the spot. Yeah, just look at Der Bauer. I, th- I think he also doesn't yep. use any scripts. He just does two shots all, all, um, all of the time, English, German, and then yep. he's basically done with it. Um I kind of envy you for that skill. I don't know how well it would work for me uh, because just writing a script, writing a script over a couple of days helps me just organize my thoughts and make sure that I'm not missing anything. And just doing everything with B-roll also helps me if I'm in the process of editing and I notice that something is weird or I forgot something or I want to add something or I want to change something. It's very easy to do. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, for, for me, it's it's also like I have. <laughs> so I, I started working on the not a script uh, for for the last video, for basically trying to make bullet points, and I organize stuff and I, I do keep notes, of course, while I work on stuff and I try to, to create a structure. But then I have to sit down and, and really organize it. Mm. And at one point, I, I caught myself like, "Hey, you're writing a script now. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you're not just organizing <laughs> bullet points. You're actually writing out a full script." And I was like, yeah. "Nope, gotta stop that bullet yeah. points." So yeah, that 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 of course you have to do uh, with a no. topic like the the last one was the no. E3D Revo High Flow one. Yeah. Uh, you can't just go in and, and start with a blank slate. Yeah, um, yeah uh, but it's good that there's space to experiment. That YouTube's yeah. trying out new stuff um, that they're not stalling, which you know is is a, is a good thing for Google, uh, for Google and for YouTube. Well, Alphabet. YouTube stories are going away. What is YouTube stories? What? That's that was the thing before shorts where you could oh, post uh, sto- yeah. stories, 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 not yeah. stars, okay, stars, <laughs> stories. Stupid. Yeah, well, pff, I don't think anyone was. E- well, some people were using them. Yeah, but mm. but it was really confusing to be honest. Yeah. If if I was in the app, you had the shorts feed, and then you had the um, the, the 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 stories feed, and it was just too much. So it it was like, kind of happy. What sort of content are you supposed to produce? Like regular length videos, shorts, stories, but yeah. stories are also short, but shorts don't go away after a week? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, talking about content, uh, there's, there's, there's other ways to make content too, right? Yes. Much simpler than, than making your own scripts and, uh, and, and preparing a topic. Would you say much simpler? You need a different skill. 
Oh yeah, oh, it is. Oh yeah, yeah. So sorry, I, I. <laughs> You, I've moved you on to the you, next point. You already moved on to the next topic. Yeah, there, there's a much easier way to produce content. Uh, just stealing it. Well, <laughs> well, you can call it stealing. You could also call it promoting other channels and uh, uh, fair use and remixing it. Um, yeah, there's there's another TikTok channel once again that is just ripping off uh, YouTubers, 3D printing YouTubers, editing it down, adding some some fancy text and. That's it. just everyone so and and i don't understand they're that person uh they're just like even uploading videos several times i don't know if they're hoping that one of them gonna explode due to the due to the the tiktok algorithm and things like that but yeah it's it's just crazy there's that one channel where you, you can find any 3d printing youtube and they're they're just uploading like tens and tens of videos every day I, so i've seen some like five or six year old live streams for myself and they're just yeah. being chopped down like yeah but what are you gonna do like it's tiktok like are you gonna send a dmca takedown for every single video like you're not gonna that dig is, through their content that is the reason why i put it in there because i have a bit of experience with stolen content on instagram and um meta did a pretty good job there both times when I filed a, a takedown notice. So the first time, the whole channel got removed. That's this, that's good. That, you see, that, that's, that's within something... Within a day. That's something positive that's happening. Well, yeah. of course, you, you could take this entire thing from, from the other angle, like, hey, you're, you're, you're hindering remix culture, whatever, by sending these takedown notices. Um, but the thing is, if you're just re-uploading somebody else's content and then just the video gets deleted, like you didn't get punished. There's no there's no consequences for that. Um, yeah. But if the channel gets deleted, there is actually a an incentive or a disincentive to upload or to create new yeah, channels for that. that again. Yeah. Um, I felt a bit bad in the beginning, but on the other hand, there was so much just like stolen content on there and they were promoting their own links. So mm-hmm. that's just basically just stealing from others um so and the thing is i thought yeah let's try that out also on on tiktok it's at first it's already hard to even find how to file like a copyright claim on tiktok um i think i filed two one with just like one video and another one with a couple of videos in there um i think for a week or two i didn't hear anything i just thought yeah they just don't care at all after like two weeks i got the first email yeah we we couldn't identify the videos in your takedown notice because you put more than one link in there even though they stated yeah if if they're more than them just put them like i don't know um the other one which just had one video in there uh i got a response and they said yeah they they took the video down okay that's that's good. The, yeah, you, you, yeah. You see, I, I don't have a problem when when it's when it's a level playground. Like when 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 everyone's on TikTok and everyone's like freely sharing, let's call it uh, their mm-hmm. content and and remixing it. That's fine. Like if if everyone can do that, okay. But on the other hand, like here, if I if I like include a two second clip from a from a Disney movie or whatever, I'm gonna get a cease and desist and a lawsuit from Disney. Um, 
that's how German copyright works. So it's not a level in fair playing ground in, in that case. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so there are, I think, the two types of stealing channels. There are the ones who credit the creators. Like the most basic thing, either put like source, CNC kitchen, right. Tom's 3DP or something like that. And then there are the other ones who don't put any like source in there and just put their own affiliate links and shit in yeah. the description. I mean, that's and this they... was one of the, this was one of the second ones. So, yeah, affiliate links is is always the way that this sort of yeah. stuff uh, works out. Uh, the goal, hey, buy our stuff through the links, and he's got like an eBay link in the in his bio. Italian uh, eBay link to I don't know. Um, uh, I think the the Creality Sonic Pad. I, I did click it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, well, what are you going to do? The, the thing is, so with larger channels, and I would consider our two channels larger channels, um, the content ripoff is not that much of an issue because people are going to recognize the content and, and, and call them out for it. Yeah. But for smaller channels, this actually is a real problem. Um, yeah. When I was, when my channel was like a third or a quarter of the size, um, I've had other channels re-upload my stuff and they got like four times as many views as the original mm. video did. And that yeah. hurts. That's that's painful. Uh, well, so. I think that's often also a discussion with like reaction channels when you have like big reaction right. channels doing a video on another video where, where the creator put a ton of work in there. Maybe got some views, but like the reaction videos gets... 10 times as many mm. uh is is that unfair how transformative is the reaction channel just a guy like w watching 10 seconds of a video and then commenting or laughing or i don't know yeah it's ct hmm. cgp gray recently i think copyright strike a ton of reaction creators uh, with a flag oh. video or especially one um uh especially one creator i think he who did a really good or who does really good reactions on reactions or he adds additional content so uh, okay. cgp gray was doing a video on how good every state flag in the u.s is and uh the other guy just added additional content there and okay. um uh, additional information I think the, call, the channel was called like flag channel i don't know whatever um in such a case i would say that it is really transformative and this is okay but but where do you draw the border that's yeah. the thing it's it's very very murky waters and it's yeah. again it's it's soup it, it it's unique to every jurisdiction you're looking at um, so that it's totally different in in Germany, in the EU, to where it is in how uh, or how it is in China versus how it is in the US. Um, it's just it's it's not just different legislation, but it's also different mindset. Um, so yeah. This episode of the Meltzone Podcast is sponsored by Mintion and the BeagleCam V2. The BeagleCam is a combined printer host and time lapse camera. It makes any Marlin-based 3D printer Wi-Fi capable, and you can find the full compatibility list on their website. It works with basically any printer. 
that speaks G-code. You can use it to upload G-codes, uh, start them, monitor your prints through the camera, uh, you can get real-time information, and you can use it, of course, to create time lapses while your printer is running. Uh, you can use it in the cool layer by layer mode, you can use it free running, or if you don't have a printer connected, you can even use it to create time lapses uh, just on a timer basis of anything you want. With the UV sensor add-on, it even works with SLA printers. As a printer host, it can automatically pause your prints if the printer reports an issue, but you can also monitor your prints from anywhere through the Beagle camera app. Uh, you can monitor your entire printer fleet because it supports multiple cameras in one handy overview, or you can also connect to the Beagle cam directly on your local network. Uh, the BeagleCam is a plug-and-play solution. Uh, you just plug in your printer here, you plug it into power, it has an SD card. It's a pretty simple thing. You can even focus the new one now, so you can put it really close to your printer and still get that nice crisp timeless with a bit of bokeh in the background. Um, the new one now comes with a tripod thread and uh, you can either use the included tripod with a ball head uh, to just plop it down next to your printer, or you can hook it up to your own mounting solution if you so desire. Uh, you can find more info on the BeagleCam V2 in the links in the podcast description show notes below. Um, and again, thanks to Minchion for sponsoring this episode. But you know what could help with uh, content theft is, is actually just giving out your content behind a paywall. Um, so stuff we've, we've seen, of course, with video content is uh, Flowplane, for example, um, where people upload their stuff and then you have a Flowplane subscription. And you, you get there, you get somebody's content. Um, but it's also moving into 3D printing designs. I'm, I'm on fire with these transitions. I hope you catch this one. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. <laughs> it's also it's it's also something that's that's now available with 3D printing parts. So both printables and Thangs um, have now launched a subscription service. And this is interesting because we we've always sort of had. 3D model or designer subscriptions through Patreon or or uh, what's the other one? OnlyFans? No, that that was something different. <laughs> um, but the the yeah Patreon basically where you have hey you sign up at this tier per month and you get access to these models. Now it's integrated into printables and thanks and you have some stuff to say about that, right? Yeah, I think it's well, it's it's not yet implemented in printables they just announced that this is going to be something and the in so the the first interesting thing about that was uh i think at one day printables did the announcement with just a blog post we're gonna have a, like a subscription service if you're a designer if you're interested in that uh approach us you're gonna be like you can be part of a of a beta program um so that your launch page is ready once we are launching the the, the thing in full uh and then just the next day i think Thanks launched their subscription service. Um, both talk about, well, so I think with the rise of articulated models, uh, uh, yeah, companies realized how much money there can be made with uh, just subscription service for 3D models. Uh, if you're just taking a look at the numbers of a couple of uh patreon pages where they're selling really good models and and if you're signing up for like a higher tier subscription you get the license to to uh print these parts and then even sell them in your etsy shop and some of these there you're just earning like tens of thousands yeah. of dollars every month which is crazy so of course it makes sense for a platform like printables or thanks um to 
kind of implement that as well because Patreon is not made for 3D model subscription. I know that with like a couple of creators I'm subscribed to that they have uh, like Dropbox links which change every yeah. month and, and, and just the ones who have a specific subscription tier or they're still subscribers, they get the new link and yada, yada, yada. It's not very elegant. It's not very elegant. And Printables and Thanks both say, okay, we are a model sharing website. We know that stuff very well and we can help you guys out with like um, hosting the models and then also giving access to the ones who are subscribed to your um, to your yeah so that premium service thing so the the cool thing that i'm seeing here is that um they're basically taking patreon out of the out of the picture here and patreon is yeah. not a site with the best reputation um and especially recently with like fee restructuring and stuff um especially low subscription fee members uh you actually get very little of uh, what the member is paying versus how much Patreon pays you out or yeah. pays out to to you yeah. or the creator. So the thanks the, are taken eight percent. I yeah. think printables they didn't state that yet. There, so I've got, at least I've got a Tom's Harder article open okay. here. Um, printables is planning on ten percent. Okay. So it does not include transaction fees from payment services. So yeah, there you have it again. If it's PayPal, PayPal is like thirty five cents per transaction plus. Mm however many percent mm -hmm. so if you have a one dollar subscription that's already going uh, 35 cents going towards paypal mm -hmm. so mm. but that's that's just what it that's that's the monopoly of of paypal etc um and also the the tom's hardware article is clarifying the announcement was within one hour of each other <laughs> within one hour okay that was even closer so they they must have had something prepared there um so I knew that both were working on such a feature, but it's it, it's not a coincidence that they're releasing it at some point. I don't know if printables, if those guys noticed that things are going to do an official release that day and they want, want it to be earlier, or if just printables released something and then thanks just said, okay, we would have released it like next week. Let's just do it now. <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting. The, it's just really funny. So what's both of these models, both on uh, printables and on things, are to support specific creators, specific designers, um, which is interesting in a way because what I would have expected them to implement is something like a, a Spotify model or a YouTube premium model where you have a fixed subscription fee to... STL flicks. STL flicks, yeah, but that was um, that was like specific. Well, I think that was kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, it was to specific designers that were up. Yeah, yeah, true. It's it, it was just a much yeah. smaller platform. But yeah. yeah, that that sort of idea where you have a, I don't know, ten bucks a month, and then depending on whose models you download and use, that creator gets a portion of those those mm -hmm. ten bucks a month. That I think would have been more approachable for users and would actually get more users to sign up for for that plan. Mm. Um, especially looking at um, again uh, going off of Tom's hardware article again. Who wrote this, by the way? Ah, Denise wrote that. Yeah. Denise Pitachi. Um, the search function discover discoverability is different between these two. So thanks. Um, whenever you search for something, it's going to list both paid and free models and printables at least currently 
uh, in the current state is actually going to hide all the models you don't have access to. So you don't even know that there's a model that you could subscribe to or subscribe for and then get that if you okay. just search for something, which seems odd to me because how would people discover creators then? Yeah. That, that sounds weird to me because of course you want to use like the search and, and because they're taking their share. They want to promote these models and they even get like a um, um, a preview of the models and they just say, okay, if you want to have it, you need to subscribe to that to that certain creator. True. It's it's it sucks when it's like, oh yeah, you you get to the download page and you've already settled on this thing, and then the download button is hidden behind it and it doesn't yeah. tell you it's paid anywhere else. That yeah. sucks. But the way that Thanks seems to do it is right in the search. It says, hey, this is uh, yeah, you view related download. AR for the for the open ones and then join yeah. uh, for the ones that have uh, an actual payment option required. What I can really ha wrap my head around is if a subscription model for the creators is better than a pay by use pay by use model. Many designers seem to go with the subscription service. If you're taking a look at Wexter, Eastman, and and those guys, uh, but. I don't know. Sometimes I would just rather spend 10 bucks on a specific model than subscribing to one of them. And then usually in the beginning, you don't even get access to the whole library, which is kind of sucks. I mean, that's right. The, the thing with subscriptions is they're just happening in the background. Like they're going to continue. And both from a, well, the, the, I guess the dif different things uh, from a user to a creator thing. Um, or perspective um, the user just gets a continuous stream of all the models and doesn't have to think about it mm -hmm. and for the creator I think the bigger thing is uh, it's a stable source of income so for people who are actually full-timing or investing significant time like you are taking time off of your job for me it's my full job um, anything that is a subscription or a patron monthly sign up just gives you peace of mind or ease of mm -hmm. mind peace of mind it, it, it's just such a uh, maybe maybe not even from from the actual earnings you're getting but just knowing hey i'm i'm having this backlog or this pool of subscribers and mm. even if 20 percent jump off next month i'm still going to be fine um mm. if it's something where it's like yeah people are actually having to buy stuff mm. then you always have to to worry about like hey are my models going to be good enough next month again it's mm. it's a more abrupt and harsh transition there yeah. Overall, I think yeah, people are going to spend more on, 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 on subscriptions. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think comparing the two platforms again, of of course, both kind of take this, the same share and they're both saying that they know how to manage files and, and provide them in, in, a, in a proper way. Um, both say that they are already platforms where people are searching for models, so it's it's the best way to uh, to place models because people are already there for searching something and yeah. um, finding models on like uh, on, 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 on on Patreon is really hard. Um, but the one thing that I find really interesting about Thanks is uh, Thanks are crawling the whole web for models and one of their unique selling points is if you're a creator on on that platform. Thanks tries to make sure that nobody re-uploads your model because 
who is currently pre preventing you for from re-uploading your patreon subscription model to any other platform nobody is but there are some takedown uh processes in place but um, you need to find them at first yeah and i think this is one of the unique selling points of thanks where they're saying if you're a creator on our website we're crawling everything we're making sure that if everything pops up we're gonna find it and we're gonna provide you an easy way to find it quickly and maybe yeah. delete that i think that's kind of an interest uh, that's kind of an interesting thing oh, it's 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 really good it's it's yeah. a really good feature um and yeah again tying into what is what is a remix what is a ripoff um mm. what are they going to do with people who have remixed their designs um same thing so, so. <clears throat> this is the thing so i talked to the thanks guys when i was in uh in loveland mm -hmm. colorado <laughs> colorado Uh, and they told me, so of course it's easy to find someone who just re-upload the model. Re Literally re-upload the model. You just go byte by byte if it's the same e file. Then. Exactly. Byte by byte, file size, vertex position and stuff like that. <clears throat> um, the, the thanks guys are saying that they're really taking a look at the geometry. So even if somebody remeshes a model, they somehow are able to find it and yeah. yeah of course i think that's a really good unique selling point one that's that's been the the whole thing with like I, our search thanks the, the thing of things the thing of things uh was that they have a geometry based search engine where it was going to show you similar models that have similar geometry i, I yeah. i've tried it a couple times it, it works all right um but for for finding like remeshed <laughs> files it it might be a good option yeah I I try to use Thangs from time to time, but I honestly don't really like their search function. Since they're just crawling everything, you're finding so many models there which are just not made for 3D printing. Uh, you, you find GrabCat files on there, which is right. nice, which is kind of nice. But if I'm on Thingiverse, if I'm on printables, usually the files that are, that are on there are made for 3D yeah, printing. Yeah. Maybe they're... Maybe a should use things more but this is just one 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 takeaway from from my side um what else did i want to say yeah i i th i think what will be interesting is and we talked about that already in the past how both of these platforms are handling licensing are they providing an easy way for the creators to have kind of a similar license where it says, okay, if you're in that tier, you can download the models, you can print them yourself. Yeah. If you're in another tier, um, you are allowed to sell the printed parts. I think this is something that currently is just like managed by if you are in that tier and I hope you're not doing anything else, but if they're maybe providing like contracts or a just a better way to to handle that yeah i think this would be something really nice some some pre-made framework uh, exactly pre -made. It yeah it's a good, yeah. good term so that it it looks like so it looks like there, there are different tiers on both of these platforms and if yeah. i look at that that sample again Well, so Thangs already launched their service and there are a couple of featured creators there. There is uh, Zach Friedman with his 
Hex 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 Okay, I thought that I thought those were were open models, which is why I was. Yeah, they hesitating. are, but I think with his membership, you're getting like special models now. Right. Um, oh. And he has tiers ten, twenty five, and a hundred dollars a month, which is something. Oh, I mean, if people want to pay it, fine. Yeah. Oh, chap, uh, Filament Friday is also on there. Become a member, ten dollars a month. Um, okay. Uh, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, $10 a month. So, yeah, some... Those are... So the creators are able to choose their levels in a similar way as it's possible on, on Patreon. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if $10 a month is going to establish itself because that is quite a lot of money for a single designer. But... It kind of seems so. If if I'm currently looking through the designers, I think this is kind of the minimum fee True. that they're charging. True, but it, I I just don't know if people are going to be willing to pay that because that's like a Netflix subscription. That or is that Amazon is. Prime is a bit more, I think. But um, I don't know if that makes sense for the ones who want to print the parts and sell them on Etsy. I mean, for 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 those folks, ten bucks a month is fine. Uh, or That's totally if, fine. Or even if you do yeah. 35 bucks a month. But if it's just a, mm. a, a a person with a 3D printer who's into yeah. it and wants to print that thing, yeah. are you going to sign up for a 10 bucks a month subscription? I don't know. So like you said, maybe the, the buy once uh, or own forever kind of thing. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe one last thought. I'm I'm pretty sure like the files you download just for your personal use, you are going to be allowed to print them even after your subscription has expired. They're not going <laughs> to nuke themselves off of your hard drive. Though the commercial license, I'm pretty sure, is going to expire um, once you cancel your subscription. Yeah, I hope so. So, yeah, that's that. Um, cool. I mean, the market's gonna gonna market right. The market's gonna do its thing. If if this is something that people want. Uh, because there's also a, an advantage for users, right? If you have more designers that can actually uh, reasonably or, or can actually justify spending the time on creating high-quality models, then there's going to be more high-quality models out there. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if some designers with a big following going to transition over to Thanks or Printables. Uh, oh God, at some what, point, if they if they're gonna be on both platforms, what what was that that horrible Microsoft streaming platform that contracted streamers to be like exclusive on their platform, and then the entire platform Twitch? went down? No, 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 no. But Twitch is Twitch is ah, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was it Mixer? Mixer, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we'll see how things progress. Um, we will. Speaking of Prusa, um, let's do our mandatory one Prusa topic uh, an episode. Um, at least one. <laughs> at least one. Yeah, we've already done half of one. Uh, Prusa has finally released, or finally, it's not been that long, but Prusa has released uh, a input shaping preview, I think, for the Mark IV. Um, that's a feature that was promised on release, but the Mark IV, the initial ones, did not ship with that feature, even developed fully yet. 
So yeah. they, they had a, a couple demo builds and I did see a, a fast Mark IV printing while it was there right after the, the release. Um, but it was not something they felt was ready to ship yet. And now it is shipping and uh, people are printing fast benches. For some reason, people are getting upset. Yeah, people I... are getting upset. So so did you try, did you install the alpha version? I did of... not have the time yet. I've been working on that last video about the, the E3D uh, high flow. And I just didn't have time to mess around with Mark uh, IV. Me, me neither, unfortunately. So, um, so I think one of the things was uh, they released the alpha, and then they said, "Yeah, uh, whoever is going to post like the first video of the there wasn't included like twelve minute or something minute benchy uh, is going to get like a hundred Prusa meters or something like that," and. Uh, so the the thing is, sp there there are speed benchy rules. So currently there's True. there's a big thick con comparison happening. Who's gonna print like the fastest benchy? I hope that's not gonna demonetize our video. Um, <laughs> the the, tw the twenty bucks we we're making with every episode. <laughs> So the thing is, there there's speed benchy rules. There's a, a set layer height, a, a set infill thing that you can kind of compare printers and profiles with each other. And the speed benchy Chico that Prusa provided did not use these settings, yeah. so it was Which a fast benchy. I, I think they even mentioned like in the initial post, like, "Hey, we're not doing speed benchy rules yet, but it's this is a twelve minute benchy." Okay, I, think. I, I even didn't read that, so I think it wasn't really obvious for everyone, and um, I think that was kind of confusing and pissed people off because they just said, "Okay, this is kind of false advertising because everyone knows the speed benchy rules and." If you want to compare printers with a speed bench, you should stick to that rules. And this 12-minute benchy is more marketing as it is like showing the real performance of your machine. Okay, okay, but okay. And I, I kind of I do understand that. I, I seriously do understand that because I, I worked a bit on speed benches. I still didn't, didn't manage to print a, a subtenant. Did I? No, I, I think I didn't manage, manage yet to print a sub 10 minute Benchy, which was, I think, my goal with the war on zero two years ago. Anyways, currently, many who are involved in 3D printing and trying to print faster and faster are comparing printers with like Benchy speeds. And if you then have a company telling you that this is like a 12-minute benchy, you kind of assume that it sticks to these rules, so the results are comparable. It's a bit confusing. and uh, At least, yeah. So, so, so some of the rules here are uh, normal filaments, uh, maximum 0.5 millimeter nozzle or line width size, 0.25 millimeter layers, three top and bottom layers, two walls, 10% infill, and it must be dimensionally accurate within reason. <laughs> Bonus points if it looks good. And the machine must be powered by stepper motors, which is an interesting thing because, I mean, yeah, well, but, well, okay. That, that's like saying, hey, only Quarks, my machines can enter. But that's not to the point. But yeah, there are set rules. Kind of to give you an expectation of what 
the bench is going to look like, like what qualities it's going to have. And yeah, I I see the point. If it if it's advertised for for being a speed benchy, then yeah. Oops, sorry. If it's advertised for being a speed benchy, then that's bad. If it's not, it's still confusing. Yeah. So that was the thing with the speed bench. Okay. I seriously want to um, install the firmware, but yeah, unfortunately, going to be in holiday next week. But um, I'm really looking forward to. Um, I so far I really enjoyed working with a Mark IV. It's been working really well. The only thing is that. All of the time, I print something in parallel on my on my Bamboo Lab X One. It just, it just feels so slow. The yeah. Mark IV feels so slow, even though the print results are gorgeous. And mine does print worse than the than the Mark III does. Um, Seriously, does have a bit more bit more stepper artifacts, but that might be something that I'm going to have to look into because there was a batch with yeah. uh, the wrong steppers uh, shipped. So okay. I'm going to have to check my serial numbers because that was something that was throwing me off. Um, but yeah, it's mine's been working great too. Um, I've not been printing much, but when I did print stuff, I did print it on the Mark IV, and that's been working out fine. But it's, I'm I'm still I'm still underwhelmed by the Mark IV in a way. But that's that's something once I dig in that I can get into more. Yes, um, um, but being underwhelmed, but hoping for being overwhelmed is the question if input shaping is also going to happen on the Pusha Mini because it also has like a 32-bit board. The firmwares on both machines should be on a very similar basis and at some point, I don't know, just like a, a config file change should distinguish the firmware of a, of a Mini from a Mark IV, I would think. Um, so I was asking myself, do you think we're going to see input shaping on, on a Mini and does it even make sense? Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty sure though I yeah I'm gonna have to check the um the original video I did with the with the Pusha guys the interview again, um I'm pretty sure Mini and Mark IV are the same code base, uh just like Excel, um it's it's literally the same firmware basically running behind it, yeah. um and I did look up the exact processes that they're using for the Mini and for the Mark IV and the Mini uses an STM32 F407 and the Mark IV uses an F427 which are very similar uh, MCUs so of course they're going to have a a bit more um, in terms of of peripherals and stuff but they're clocked pretty much at the same speed uh, and overall, they're, they're very, very similar processes. So from a from a pros- processing perspective, I think the Mini should absolutely be able to handle input shaping. Uh, maybe one thing to note here, with the Mark IV, um, with the input shaping shown there, it's all running on the 32-bit printer MCU. And it's not like, it's the same code as in Clipper, but in Clipper, it runs on a separate Raspberry Pi that prepares all that data for your slower uh, printer processor. But in the Mark IV, uh, there is no, you know, Linux system. It's just a 32-bit uh, MCU. So I don't think from that perspective there's anything that's keeping the Mini from running input shaping. There might be, because it's just a less mechanically rigid platform, that might be more of a challenge to tune it in, um, especially at different heights, where, like, the, mm. the leverage is, is way different. That might be more challenging, but I don't think that's an, uh, an unsolvable problem. Yeah, 
might be something that's coming um it would be a pretty big feature to like retroactively add to to a machine that's already i don't know the mini plus how old is that two years easily three years yes i don't know if they're going to do that they well, the question is if it's just like a frequency setting that you need to adjust and select your input shaper would it harm them just giving users the pos uh, the possibility to activate input shaping well it's 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 development effort of course for push to tune it in and if there is the potential for machines to print worse or to to shake themselves <laughs> loose or whatever um i don't think they would be very keen to put that out there mm. understandably so I don't know. I've I've not talked to them about it, but I yeah. I think it should be doable. Um, the yeah. platform is not that bad, that that wobbly. That input shaping wouldn't work, and yeah. the the electronics, the processing power is there as well. Maybe it's going to be a feature of the mini too. Well, I I just an hour ago I talked to a friend who has a uh, a Prusa mini print farm, and since Prusa raised the prices, I think also for the mini um, recently or at some point, he said that the mini is going to get less and less attractive for many at that price point and what its capabilities are. It's it's working really well for him. He has, I think, 10 of them printing parts. But if you're thinking about that for kind of almost the same money, you can get Bambula P1P or some other machines who also seem to be kind of reliable. Uh, buying a Prusa Mini is getting tougher and tougher. Yeah. Um, so I just looked up the, the Prusa site. So currently it's selling for 489 euros for the semi, so for basically the, the style that it in the three ships, um, where it's two parts that you screw together. Uh, 489 euros for that, for 59 for the full kit. Um, but they actually quote my review at the bottom there, and in the review, I'm saying, hey, you're not going to find a better printer for under 400 US dollars. So um, it did come up in price quite a bit. And yeah. of course, the market has changed since I, I made that review. What, what, when was that video? God, they've, they've got clickable links, which I appreciate. Uh, two years I ago. I thought it was more expensive, but yeah, okay. So, so it's still under 500 bucks. But August 2020, when I reviewed okay. the Mini almost three years ago yeah so four four eighty nine it's it's a, is it's that a, already taken account your i have four fifty nine black orange four eighty nine euros yeah with yeah okay so almost five hundred bucks interesting yeah it's gonna be interesting see if 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 that's something that they're going to put in there or if that's going to be one of a feature if we are at some point going to see a, a Prusa Mini 2 or something like that yeah. is a Prusa Mini 2 still something that is feasible in the current market it's going to have to be like way more cost optimized um, but also I mean what, what Prusa did mention is now that the Mark 4 is out they have they're, they're going to be experimenting more on printer designs 
Um, so that's that's basically implying uh, that there's going to be a different printer line. Um, I mean, people were disappointed that the Mark IV wasn't a Core XY, and it's like, well, it's it's the it's the i3 line. That's just mm-hmm. the design that printer has. Um, it, it's sort of hinting at a mini XL, kinda. Yeah, which seems to be the way the market is going anyway. Yeah. I think so as well. I don't really know why they haven't. Maybe this is something that they're working on. Haven't put out um, the. They have the Prusa XL Mini with their wall of printers. Yeah, there are single head Core XY printers in there, and why not gonna sell them separately? Uh, they look really nice. They're also a bit smaller. They just have like one tool head. People gonna buy them. Uh, people would. I people would buy them. I think this would have actually been a an even smarter decision instead of having a Mark IV. Just having like a Core XY. I think True. that would have sold way better. I, I I think I think you can maybe buy them um, by themselves, but I'm not sure. Um, and I'm probably not gonna be able to Google that real quick. Yeah, the wall of printers is honestly kind of cheap i think the wall of printers with like 10 machines or something like that is is less than like forty thousand bucks if i'm just thinking about what that's, that's other basically the price of like an ultimaker right yeah that's one and a half ultimakers not the same so <laughs> it's pretty cheap for what it is though at those at those levels of pricing like stuff gets yeah. pretty insane yeah yeah couldn't find it if it's available yeah. but I, th- I thought i thought they were selling it individually yeah Okay. I, th- I I think they're not, but anyways. Yeah. Um, cool. A bit, bit, bit of an extended... Maybe, maybe let's make this one short. Yeah. Um, another manufacturer is using Prusa Slicer as a base for their slicer. Um, and they're getting lazy and lazier. And in this case, uh, it's Anycubic. Yeah, which they... has discovered that you can do Control-F and then you can hit the tab for Replace All. Um, but replace was, Prusa with Anycubic. This slicer copyright by Anycubic Research, twenty sixteen until twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. There was a recent uproar uh, on 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 Twitter, and also Joe ranted quite a bit that Anycubic. I haven't I haven't um, really looked at how much of a reskin or if they even did reskinning of of Prusa Slicer. But Anycubic basically took Prusa Slicer, (laughs) um, searched and replaced Prusa with Anycubic, and then put that out in the wild and didn't even credit Prusa for being the base of that. And I think this was the beginning, and then things popped up, and uh, they stopped providing the binaries for Anycubic Slicer. They... Um, they apologized for it. I think it's not yet available. So, oh no. In the beginning, they released Anycubic Slicer, the binary without crediting Prusa, and they didn't release the source code. I think this is how it started. And then, th- and then they quickly put the source code out and people noticed that just anything with Prusa was replaced by Anycubic, which was uh-huh. kind of hilarious. And then they took the binary down, and I, I think it's not fully resolved yet. Uh, yeah, so it just GitHub for Anycubic 3D with the Anycubic slicer is a fat 404. Yeah. Um, 
the the thing is though, I mean, from a from a perspective of is this right or wrong? Because clearly, it's if you're not if you're not crediting, yeah, you you need to credit with uh, GPL license code. Um, the thing is though, it really doesn't matter what the license is and what the company is doing right or wrong. It's do people care? Like, do customers stop buying any cubic products because of this? And I don't think people will. Ninety percent don't care. Um, because that's, in the end, like that's price, price and performance. Yeah, it's probably optimistic. Yeah. Um, and I think it makes a difference if influencers and um, J- Joel directly said that in the beginning. Okay, guys, uh, as long as you're doing that, I am not going to continue working with you guys. Um, I that mean, reduces coverage of products and impacting them in the way. But if like not everyone does that, customers don't care. Um, unfortunately, customers don't care. And I used to be with with printer reviews. I used to be a lot more keen on seeing, hey, are they releasing their Marlin source code? Are they mentioning that it's Marlin? Um, the slices they're giving, it's Cura based back then. Um, like the, I, I I was a lot more verbal about stuff like that and the feedback was just always like yeah we don't care people do not care whether like open source licenses and it's it's as simple as we ship with marlin we release our modified version of Marlin. that didn't happen and people simply didn't care and if you can't get people to care at that level like yeah it's i i think that fight is lost to be honest i think and and this is going to be the the next video I put on, on on my channel because I've been thinking about this a lot. I I don't think open sourcing is something that is still working. Um, and the 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 core the the core to this is if you put it this way in in a way where you know open source company, let's take Prusa, um, you buy a Mark IV for for twelve hundred bucks or however much it costs I don't know, but if effectively. 400 bucks of those 1200 bucks are going to their direct competition is to going towards subsidizing uh, any cubic reality bamboo and giving them free code for their slice to base on there it's saving them so much work to not have to create an own, their own slicer in that case um and the prusa customers are paying for that if you put it that way it is incredibly stupid it it does not make any sense in a keeping a company alive and b in like justifying that extra cost to your to your customers um why would you want to to, like gift money to to the competitors whose products you're you aren't even buying um and the thing is it has become a a one-way road basically where there's there's companies who are on the giving end and there's companies who are on the receiving end and very few are still doing that that two-way thing push slicer and cura um, they they do continuously point it out. Some uh, some features from Prusa Slicer go into Cura and vice versa. That's that's great. But then there's other companies who are, there I say, leech off of that that ecosystem, and reap the profits without giving back. And honestly, I think it is stupid of Prusa to still enforce open source as much as they are. Just my two cents there. Um, yeah. More more detailed thoughts on that uh, soon, but. It's 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 sad to see, but it's just my experience that people don't vote with their wallets. People vote mm. with whatever is or vote with their wallet, and they go towards the thing that gives them the most bang for their buck for themselves. Mm. And 
that altruistic sort of thing where you're like, oh, but you're funding you're funding an open source ecosystem. Nobody does that. People say they do, but they don't. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Of course, you could argue in a way, also Prusa is profiting from open source because they can easily like implement other ideas into their slicer. But yeah, in the end, it's it's a question how much of those features are really like based on something open source ish. I mean, at, um, at this but, point, but currently, for example, I, I think what currently makes Prusa Slice really interesting are the really well working tree supports. This is something where they benefited of the work from Cura and the Munich guy whose name I don't remember who made the tree supports better. Yeah. Um, if they would not be open source, they would not be able to to implement that. Uh, just look look at look at Simplify 3D at the moment. They they just released 5.1 with groundbreaking features, which is ironing and <laughs> not moving nozzle over the surface that it leaves it uh, that it leaves a track. Where you can say, I, I think they kind of struggle that they need to do everything by themselves at the moment and if you're not putting like a ton of money in that uh developing that takes a while and uh I, and and you just and the, the competition is running away i i mean honestly i don't think that uh simplify 3d have to do everything themselves when they can just look at code that somebody else is putting out there and not implying that they're just copying it but you can at least get yourself inspired by how stuff works and how stuff is implemented um, and also, they don't have that that synergy of like the slicer sells the printer, yeah, um, and the printer then funds the slicer. They they don't have that that circular economy within themselves. But yeah, yeah. Um, my my worry is just that it's again w one way that it's that resources in the form of well working code are flowing away from those who who spent the money on it. Yeah, and there's nothing coming back. Um, in fact, I think um, Scott Nathane, uh main developer of Marlin, um, has even recently posted like, hey, uh, funds are running low. Um, I'm going to have to see how much longer I can do this. Not literally, I think, but maybe, maybe somebody has the tweet for that um, posted below. Mm -hmm. So, Well, Marlin is not cool anymore. Everyone wants Clipper at the moment. So I, I, I but, see why... Marlin kind of struggles. Um, but still, what, what was it? Was it um, uh, the Snapmakers? Yeah. Snapmakers use Marlin too. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I misunderstood this, but they recently, I think like one or two weeks ago, they proudly posted, hey, we're now releasing our Marlin source code. Like that's something that's special. No, that is something that is required for you to use Marlin in the first place uh, <laughs> or to ship products that use Marlin. Yeah. Uh, and like, You've, you've been using Marlin this entire time and told nobody like <laughs> uh, yeah that, I mean that's that's why, what I mean um, I'm sure lots lots of printers are, are running Marlin um, either without um, publishing anything or without the user even knowing you know yeah. search and replace uh, replace Marlin with whatever and they're also not funding the project they're just yeah. using the code because it's yeah. free but what is not free is if you want to put <laughs> if you want to get a a Revo nozzle because Revo nozzles are quite 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 expensive and there aren't any third part 
there shouldn't be any third-party Revo nozzles because the design is um, design-patented. Yeah. Um, and here we are, the exact opposite, though not technically those patents are still open source. It's just open source with like a big hindrance to using it. Um, <laughs> it's working for E3D. Right, E3D have have gone from hey the V5 is like completely open source to the V6 is like yeah we're gonna publish the dimensions but not like actual manufacturing drawings because like you don't need those right to Revo being like completely locked down. Um, there are some drawings of Revo which is like the reference length of the shoulder to the nozzle tip. That's the, the one dimension they give you, and and the dimensions of the cold side. And yes, the, because that that yeah. you can that you're allowed to implement. Um, but the nozzle itself, like, completely locked down. And with the recent... So first of all, yeah, the, the nozzles that E3D sells, those are the only ones you're officially allowed to get. And E3D, I know, are keen on defending their trademark and their intellectual property. So even with AliExpress, they're they're getting nozzles and stuff taken down. Um, or at least it, it was with... Um, was it with Titan, Himera? Some, some extruders, I think, yep. that they were... Uh, successful with even getting stuff removed from AliExpress. Respect there. Um, but what 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 my sort of main takeaway with the patent situation around Revo is like the the CHT nozzle on V6. That's something that uh, 3D Solix and Bontech as the manufacturer um, could just make. They could make a nozzle with an M6 thread in the seven mil- seven eight eight millimeter. Um, eight mil- I, it's eight millimeter, right? Yeah, the the um, slice engineering ones are seven, uh, and a hex on the top, uh, and then they could just manufacture that, and everyone was able to buy it for their V sixes. Now with Revo, they can't make that nozzle themselves, so I'm pretty sure that put E three D in a let's say advantageous uh, negotiation situation where they can say, "Hey uh, guys, you 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 want to license this to us? By the way, you're not going to be able to make your own." So. You know, either you license it to us or you, there's not going to be a CHT on this great new platform that we're putting out. So it's patents are working, right? It's 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 a successful model. It's It's been proven again and again. And honestly, I don't think we should blame companies at this point anymore to do something that a company is required to do, to create value for their shareholders. That is like the, the number one goal of any of any company. Yeah, and just to 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 stay alive. Um, I honestly would not have expected that this is going to happen, especially since I think at the beginning of this year or last year we we talked. Oh no, that was last year. Uh, we talked about how E three D tried to um, files something that the 3D Solex pattern is too general and they wanted to get it basically removed. Um, So I thought those guys were enemies, (laughs) to be honest. So I was really surprised. So And and I was really interested how they how they're getting around that pattern with their high flow thing. I know uh, I have seen the patterns from E3D on the high flow technology. And I was really excited to see how the Revo nozzle is going to take a look, uh, uh, going to look on the inside. But when I saw the, f- when I saw the first, 
pictures of Revo Highflow and they told me that they licensed the technology from Bontech and 3D Solex. Uh, that really surprised me. I thought that would not have happened after everything that I, I at least had the impression that E3D tried to get rid of the CHG patent. I mean, if if they're planning to have some CHT like nozzle on their system, of course it's cheaper for them to not have to license it if the patent yeah. doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah. you know, second best option, license it and create an ecosystem where it's easier for you to license stuff because the person or the company you're licensing from doesn't have a choice. You know, it's... It's and in the end, are not both winning because Figi Solix and uh, Bontech, they're getting a bit of money for just licensing it out and E3D has the opportunity to sell a Pyflow nozzle, which otherwise they wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, the com companies are winning for yeah. sure. It's uh, it's the consumer who probably isn't winning, but th that's that's arguable too because now you're saying, hey, if, if this wasn't patented and, and so locked down, like, the innovation wouldn't have happened. That's the general argument that is always being made. Brave New World. Yeah, Brave New World. Um, Should we answer some community questions? Yeah, let's do that. On this, on this positive note. Um, Marcel is asking, Hey guys, why don't you cover some events in the EU? Are there some interesting ones more locally? Cheers from Poland. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's interesting. Local seems to have a different definition in the EU versus in the US, where like a local event is, oh, I'm going to drive like 18 hours, <laughs> <laughs> which people are doing for, for Murph and stuff. But um, there are some, some good events in the EU. Yes. Um, of course, we have the, the big trade shows, the more B2B focused stuff. Um, Forum next. next. Forum next. TCT Birmingham. He was asking about EU. Rapid. Oh, yes, EU. Sorry. <laughs> Birmingham, you're out. Uh, rapid. <laughs> yeah. Uh We've got the 3D Meetup Sweden. We've got uh, Prague Maker Fair, which is happening next weekend. Oh, wh why, do not, not, why do I not? Why do I show yeah, up? I'm, I'm also not invited. Um, I did not get an, an official invitation either, but... <laughs> I'm, ha maybe. I'm happy to hear that. Maybe maybe I can take a quick road trip there with uh, without having to plug in, but that's going to be the next uh, thing. Yes. Uh, da, 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 yeah, make a fair Events. Prague. I think that was before before COVID was the last one, and then they kind of paused. Make a fair Prague is tenth of June, so that is next week Saturday. Huh. Or this week Saturday, if you're hearing that in yeah yeah this this the first week of June. this podcast is going to come out uh, a bit later than it was recorded. Um, Maker Fair Vienna is this Saturday oh. at the time of recording. Okay, no. so yeah, Munich Maker Fair. I don't know if they're still putting that on. I think they are. Um, but yeah, we've got Maker Fairs, but we don't have that many like 3D printing specialized events happening. Um, the big ones, Merv, Merv, all the other Remurfs, uh, those are all US. Um, of course, there's going to be the Sanjay Mortimer Repair Festival. Um, when is that? Probably also It's in December, I think first week of December. I thought, I thought that was way earlier. Okay, I got that wrong. Uh, technically not EU, but like local-ish. 
more local than the than the US Smurfs. Second uh, of December. Okay. Okay. I thought. Was and why we are not covering them? So I covered form next last year. Um, I was. was I honestly. No, I was not there. You weren't there. Um, I have not been to any Maker Fair in my entire life. Oh well, you will be to the. uh, You'll be visiting the the uh, what's called open source. Open source. That is not a Maker Fair. That is a. Well, it's it's in the spirit. Fair for makers. <laughs> I really enjoyed the, um, the the Bay Area Maker Fair that was at yeah. uh, that one year. Uh, that was way much to take in. Uh, it was just such a such a huge mm. event. Um, yeah. The smaller ones, the smaller maker fairs. For us, as like business trip things. Um, there's usually not that much in the term of 3D printing. There's a couple interesting projects, but in the end, you get maybe three videos out, and for those, you really have to scrape. Um, so it makes sense to go to the larger events that are 3D printing specifically mm-hmm. focused. Uh, so that is the US events for the most part. It is. And <sighs> what I always. It's always hard to get into a conversation on especially in a on a german event because every everything is so formal uh sometimes it's really nice but oh, the it's, trade shows you've been to yes it, it, well trade trade shows especially but just like even with other germans it's 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 always a bit weird with with the formalism and stuff like that and this is w- the reason why i enjoy covering these events in the u.s because it's it's a different vibe True, true, but it's make affairs are pretty much what you're looking for with that. Yeah. Make affairs do have a much, much more relaxed uh, vibe, yeah. even in Germany. Yeah. Um, the the make affair Prague, the one was there even a second one? I think there, there only was one, right? Or no, there were two at least. Yeah, there were two. Um, but the one that I've been to, um, the the language barrier was pretty interesting because in in the EU, of course, you have not just one language that spans the entire continent. You have one language every five hours of of driving, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vienna, they speak kind of German. Um, Czech Republic, Prague, of course, Czech. Some people speak English, but some people you can't you just can't have a conversation with because. Mm-hmm. They don't understand. Well, they understand you. I, I don't want to. No, uh, you don't understand them because, as always, just with with Germans uh, trying to talk English, everyone's shy. It, you know, once you point a camera in their face, like the English does not come out as fluently um, as you would need for a video. So you, you have to approach it differently. And yeah, talking to people if it's not your local language or your your, your native language can be tough. Um, like I said, English does kind of work, but people are shy. Um, yeah. Sweden's kind of cool. Sweden, Sweden is seems to be very international, um, or or people seem to be speaking English quite fluently. Um, but yeah, Germany not so much. Italy, mm. Rome. I mean, make a fair Rome. Uh, that's the thing. Mm. But yeah, it's different cultures and it's a more local event. Yeah. Okay, so why did I mention I was gonna maybe hop over to the make a fair Pro- uh, Prague? Yeah, Prague. We we did we we did a stupid today, both of us. <laughs> well, well you, I already you, did it last Friday. 
uh, we, we and I wouldn't call it stupid. Well, we, we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Now, the, the the weird thing is, it's it's strange times we live in when the the most financially responsible decision when it comes to cars is either leasing or buying a fifty thousand uh, euro Tesla. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my 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 second company car lease is coming to end uh, this year, and because incentives are running out, and because the market is just stupid right now. Um, I saw you were getting a, a Tesla Model Y on a spontaneous notice, and I was debating what I was going to do, whether I was going to get like an MG or uh, do something else. But then like uh, the European models are all, all kind of suck for how much they are. Um, yeah, I, I just I just went like, ah, let's, let's get a Tesla too. Yeah. <laughs> and Elon Musk can go bleepable content here. But the cars are just so far ahead of everything else out there. The cars, yeah. It's yeah. interesting to drive them. So, <laughs> I, I don't think I've driven one. I, I bought this thing sight on scene. Yeah. But <laughs> That's the reason why my wife told me, okay, bef before we're going to buy a Model Y, uh, we need to make a test ride. And that is honestly really easy to do. You just... Uh, go on the Tesla website and uh, put in your, your phone number in there and where you're living and it will show you like Tesla centers around and they usually yeah. have like free spots the next day or even that day which I would not have expected so yeah I did a test drive with a Model Y last Friday and I spontaneously leased a Model Y long ride <laughs> but it's it's a sensible decision because yeah. Germany has tax incentives uh, and tax in tax incentives. So it's not in just tax incentives. tax incentives. It's also yeah. literally a cash incentive that you're getting. Yeah. And if you're leasing or buying a car as a, as a company, uh, those run out. I think first of September. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's four and a half thousand bucks that we're currently still getting. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I wanted to have an EV for for years now. Um, I've had an EV for years now, both the good and the bad. <laughs> <laughs> and um. I was really jealous, to be honest. So, um, yeah, for me it was a decision getting rid of my um golf golf uh, variant station wagon. It's a wagon, yeah, 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 station wagon, which which I really enjoy driving, but. If I just take a look at how much I pay for the lease now, um, I think my my golf is it's similarly expensive. No, no, it's exactly. it's more expensive because I'm not getting getting any tax incentives with the car that I have. This new car will be my company car, so yeah, uh, I don't pay any in income tax on that, and it's it's tax deductible and yada 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 yada. So. It is a sensible decision for me to get that car, <laughs> even though it's an expensive car, and I feel kind of bad for that and feel like being like a rich ass whatever but it's, it's the cheapest thing you can do it's yeah which is, I which is crazy it. it's yeah. it's stupid. it's it's the, the, the if you if you have that sort of of financial freedom to make those decisions they pay by they pay themselves um it's yeah the, the incentives are, are are stupid they they incentivize those who already have the cash to to spend they give them free money Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and you, at first, yeah, yeah. You you, you get a t uh, a Model Y lease. I was like, 
I don't. First of all, I don't want an SUV. I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting an SUV, uh, even though the Y is like crossover, sure. But ah, um, and also with the lease on the Leaf that I had, then the 208, and then the replacement 208, um, where they screwed me over with like taking way too long, and then you have to, to shuffle for hey, that lease is gonna run out. What car am I getting next? Oh, it's by the way, it's like a year. Uh, wait if you order one now and then it might show up three months early or three months late and now we might have two cars just the entire lease thing and then you, yeah you, you scrape the rims that's two grand down the down the toilet um, it was just like uh, I'm, I'm just gonna buy this on the company um, I'm just gonna own it and then you know it's, it's reasonably depreciation is reasonably low um, I, I know that is such a privileged position just being able to say hey I'm gonna buy a Model 3 um but this is this is like company shuffling money this is the 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 cheapest most cost effective thing i can do um and yeah if once once you once you calculate it in like vat and uh income tax and all that stuff that car is costing me very little um so it's it's the sort of things you can do as a company, but I would never. I I used to laugh at people who were buying brand new cars or who were leasing cars. Like, look at that! Look at that loser thinking he needs to spend that sort of money on a new car. Um, and I was driving my my beater uh, Renault, and I love that thing. I would still buy it, but it just does not make financial sense uh, to get a a beater car or to get anything that is cheaper. If you have the the, uh, the the German tax code, basically, yep. <laughs> if you if you can lease it or buy it on the company, yeah. So sorry for sounding it, like rich asses here, but this, we, we're just being cheap. We're literally just being cheap here. <laughs> and the thing is, Teslas are basically the only cars that you currently can can get without like a half year or a year waiting period. So this yeah. was also one of the decisions I wanted to get a I thought about getting a Hyundai Ioniq 5 or 6 but yeah, great cars they too. have 8 to 10 month delivery time are less fuel efficient are ex- are more expensive so and a Tesla you can just I started the lease like last Friday and with a bit of luck I'm gonna get it tomorrow that's 7 days in between you're gonna get yours next week which is also like less than 7 days yeah. so um, it's crazy. Hey, they, they even gave a discount because it was one that I didn't configure that they just had in stock. So. Yeah. Oh, and I, <laughs> since you used my affiliate <laughs> code, I got two thousand miles, two thousand kilometers of free supercharging. Yeah, we're, so guys, we're, we're gonna drop our referral codes in the description below. Yeah, we're gonna. If you're buying a Tesla or a Powerwall or anything Tesla related, use our links down below. So we can get free charging at the at the supercharger. You don't even need it. You have thirty kilowatt peak on your roof. True, true. I'm never. And with, yeah, with the, with the long range, I think I can go pretty much everywhere within like comfortable driving distance and back, and not have to recharge. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Sorry. And again, I I have I have zero respect for Elon Musk. Like nothing, nothing. And I'm I feel bad for for getting a Tesla, but. <laughs> That's, that's, that's also the problem that my wife has, but I yeah. could convince her that it's a sensible decision, even if you feel a bit bad about it. But it's the only sensible decision. True. All right. It's the same as with open source and patents. 
And yeah. so the circle closes. Yeah. So if okay. you want to support us, use our Tesla affiliate links down in the description. Uh, use use Stefan's preferably. He, he needs it more than I do. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support Tom, there is his Patreon link also down below. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, put them down in the video description, preferably on YouTube, because that's what we're usually reading. If you have other questions, you can also tweet them at us at the Melt Zone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your time, Tom. Thanks and for taking the time before your vacation, Stefan. And I hope you have a great one in Italy. Grazie. All right. Enjoy. Thanks, everyone. See you around. Bye-bye. Ciao.